Chapter Ten of A Year's Prayer Meeting Talks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Year's Prayer Meeting Talks by Lewis Albert Banks. Chapter Ten The Spiritual Farmer. Hosea Ten twelve revised version this figure which compares the soul of man to a field is a very common one in the scriptures christ uses it in more than one parable but especially in that oft-quoted parable of the sower where the son of man is represented as a sower who went forth to sow and some of the seed which he scattered fell by the wayside on hearts and minds so trodden down by the hoof and wheel of worldly things that they had no power of absorbing it and the seed was caught up and carried away by the wicked one some fell upon stony places where there was a little earth but only a little and here the seed immediately sprang up and for the moment was joyously appreciated but there was so little soil and so little opportunity for root that when tribulation or persecution arose the new life which had promised so much withered away some fell among thorns those hard and biting thorns of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches which choked out the heavenly seed and though it grew with promise in the rich soil the thorns so occupied the ground and monopolized the affections and purpose of the soul that no harvest was returned but other seed fell on good ground into the minds and hearts of men who heard it with reverence and gave it such understanding thoughts that it grew and flourished so that it brought forth in some cases thirty in some sixty and in still others an hundredfold in still another parable the saviour sets forth the human mind and heart as a field where rival sowers are competing for an opportunity to sow their seed and win a harvest here the son of man sows the good seed and afterward the devil comes as an enemy and sows tares in the field and in many cases the loving purpose of the son of man is defeated and the harvest yields only bundles of tares unworthy of a place in the heavenly garner and fit only for destruction paul in his first letter to the corinthians uses the same figure when he says ye are god's husbandry or as the marginal rendering has it god's tilled land in each of these places the figure is used to represent the human heart as comparatively submissive receiving simply the tilling of the divine husbandman that is one side of the truth but all the truth is not obtained from that side truth is many-sided and we must look at it on all sides in order to get a comprehensive view 
the scripture to which i call your attention uses this same figure but looks at it from another standpoint and shows man to be at once the field and the farmer in his own inner nature the prophet hosea calls upon his people to plough their own hearts and sow the field themselves in expectation of reaping through the divine mercy and grace it is from that standpoint that i wish to study it with you at this time the text is not addressed to those who have not known anything of god not to the heathen who are in utter darkness about spiritual things but to those who have known the lord whose spiritual nature has in the past had more or less cultivation but who through lack of watchfulness or from other causes have failed to do their duty and the heart field has become hardened and unproductive any one accustomed to the terminology of the farm knows what fallow ground means the soil was once in cultivation and yielded crops but through indolence or absorption in other matters the farmer has let his ploughs stand idle in the springtime and the ground has become packed and hard weeds and thorns have again taken possession of the soil such a field must have thorough work it will take a strong team and a staunch plough with a sharp point and a bright glare to cut down deep and turn the soil upside down exposing the roots of wild growth that have taken possession the prophet hosea says those who have become cold and indifferent in their relations to god are in that condition and he calls upon all such to break up the fallow ground the question naturally arises how can we plough up the fallow ground of our own hearts the first great force of spiritual cultivation is prayer and i do not mean a single outpouring of the soul to god under some sudden impulse of trying need which drives us to the throne of grace for the shelter and protection we have been indifferent about on ordinary occasions but i wish to urge the great truth that definite purposed regular prayer to god at a stated time because a man's judgment indicates to him the wisdom of it because his conscience impels him to the duty because his heart yearns for the divine communion is the mightiest force known to mankind for keeping the soul in well-ordered spiritual cultivation i do not mean to say that it is not right to go to god in cases of special necessity when we are threatened with utter shipwreck and have come to the end of our own strength it is the marvel of god that he will and does hear us when we thus come to him in faith but i wish to put the emphasis upon the duty and privilege of the children of god to keep their hearts reverent worshipful and in a proper state of cultivation to receive every good seed the divine sower may seek to plant in the soul and in a proper condition to bring to rapid harvest 
the graces of the spirit i feel compelled to urge this message upon you because i fear that the habit of stated prayer at regular times is to some extent falling into neglect and i am sure that no christian can live as he ought to live enjoy the heavenly communion as his privilege exercise the influence that he ought over his fellows and yield constant glory to god without conscientiously devoting certain time every day to sincere worship of god prayer develops a spiritual atmosphere in the mind and heart of him who prays in which it is easy for the spiritual life to grow and thrive there is an interesting article in one of our leading magazines of a recent issue in which the writer discusses what he calls art atmosphere he says that america has no atmosphere that helps to stimulate artistic production and keep alive the glow of artistic sympathy he adds that many an artist has come home from the great art centres of europe after years of quiet fervour and wholesome growth only to find his ardour checked and to feel his talent wither and grow feeble or misshapen proceeding to discuss the remedy for this the writer declares that after all the matter mainly rests with the artists themselves the atmosphere will come when they begin to make it as grown trees provide the shelter in which younger trees grow up and flourish by striking root in the american soil by living in sound artistic sympathy with things around them and with the community where they have made their home so there are people who have intellectual conceptions concerning spiritual things which are highly creditable but who are thoroughly christian in theory but the atmosphere of their hearts if not entirely unchristian is entirely non-christian it is the divine influence of prayer that creates an atmosphere in which christian truth flourishes he would be a very unwise farmer who would never get his ploughs to work in the field until the last bushel of wheat had gone from the granary and the last ear of corn from the crib and he was driven into the field by the lashing of his hunger yet the people who never pray except when they get into trouble or are driven to extremity will find themselves illustrated by such a figure the wise farmer ploughs his fields at the regular time without reference to the amount of corn on hand he turns the soil over and over again that he may keep it in a proper state of cultivation to grow whatever seed he may design for it so these sensitive fields of the heart need the constant culture that comes from consciously opening the heart to god and communing with him concerning all the deep longings and aspirations of our highest nature End of chapter 10